So, let's start this up right here, right now. Dear friends, okay. dear friends, welcome in. We are Health Skill Podcast. We are leveling up your health. My name is Marcel and I welcome you. Today we'll speak about martial arts and the effect on it of it on mental and the physical on the mental health and the physical health. And with me we'll we'll be having a special guest here. Not a special guest. Yeah, a very very important <laughs> guest. Let's say it like that. As we always have a guest. Uh Kittens Kilos Kung Fu is joining us. And he's also here on Twitch. As we have this podcast here on Twitch, he's also here on Twitch. And he's a personal t trainer. Is that correct? Are you a personal trainer? Yeah, that's correct. And he's also a martial arts instructor. And he also shares a lot of great stories. Some people told me that. Especially Yoga on Hana told me that. And yeah. Oh. He's doing. Oh, that's up. Yeah, he's awesome. He's doing Qigong <laughs> or Qigong, and we learn more about that very, very soon. Thank you for being here, Kittens Kilos Kung Fu. Oh. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It really is. I like what you're doing. Thank you so much. And the pleasure is on my side, of course, as well. How are you doing, Keith, today? Oh, great, great. Uh, got some exercise in. I'm feeling good. Uh, ready for this wonderful podcast. Awesome. Good. So, yeah, let's let's get going then. Um, before the main topic, um, let's get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Can you uh, tell us more about your fitness journey? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, when I was young, uh, I started with a martial art called Hapkido. Uh, that was when I was four years old, and it was kind of like a cultural thing. I was born in South Korea. I came over to the United States uh, when I was about two years old, and uh, was something that was important for us was to kind of keep some of our traditions and for the children to understand where they come from, even though all my siblings have really grown up in... Uh, the states just to know where we come from our backgrounds um, just kind of how we uh, how we kind of grew from Korea to America and so I took Hapkido when I was four a lot of punching kicking things like that and as I got older I started to get integrated with different sports so I became a competitive swimmer I mean I, I did the whole thing where you uh, did gym class, physical education, and you did different. You learned about different sports. But for my own training, for my own uh, fitness, I was doing a lot of swimming, especially, and also soccer. So if I were to say that I was specializing in anything, it would be sports like those where I excelled. And then when it came to just kind of just uh, adding other things, I did. I did play baseball for a number of years. Um, I did play basketball for a while, but not as uh, competitive, not as serious as swimming and soccer. And as I got older, uh, when I entered high school, I played soccer all four years. I wrestled for a couple years, and that was mostly because my older brother had wrestled before me. And even though he went on to do collegiate wrestling in college, I only did it in high school for a little bit because after two years, 
it wasn't really for me. I did respect the school. I really enjoyed the training, um, but I fell in love with boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing. I met a wonderful coach and his best friend, and they decided that I should cross-train, so I was doing both at the same time. And after that, I did that for a few years. I, I got introduced to somebody who did uh, kung fu, and I never, I never trained kung fu before then, so I really was interested. I was very fascinated by it, and then when it was time for me to go off to college, I wanted to keep with kung fu, so I, I started learning as well as keeping, um, keeping up with the practice that I had already learned before. I started getting into different martial arts, and that's right about the time when I started getting into the internal martial arts. Mm-hmm. So things like. Shingi, Bagua, uh, different different ways of moving the body, kind of different body mechanics, and I know we'll get into that a little bit more later, but I started to see a whole different aspect of martial arts, the breathing exercises, the meditation, a lot of the internal work that I had never really seen before, and uh, I've, I've had friends over the years who did different arts, and they teach different things, so I would kind of have fun training with them, maybe learn a few things from them, they learn from me, and just a nice community where we kind of uh, just be friends and train together, and it's uh, it's been really uh, a wonderful thing since. Uh, throughout this time, bits here and there with resistance training, weight training, things like that. I did a lot of what we call road work or physical training for boxing, Muay Thai, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of band working out, uh, some weights, uh, a lot of explosive movements, Olympic-type movements, and then eventually I got into powerlifting. And powerlifting is a little bit more recent, I'd say within the last five years, is when I started getting into more like powerlifting, getting actually into Olympic weightlifting, and uh, doing all sorts of different programs, exercises, and as a trainer, it's my job to be able to create and design programs for each client of mine, and uh, I've been enjoying it ever since. Wow. That's oh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey to least i have to say i have to i have to shout out grace yoga because while i have done like little bits and pieces of yoga before nothing serious i accompanied a friend who just wanted somebody to go with her to a yoga class and i did a like tiny little bits uh in college but grace yoga is actually my catalyst for uh for putting yoga into my current lifestyle if it wasn't for her if it wasn't for her channel i wouldn't be doing any yoga right now but because she's so inviting and welcoming and and just a wonderful instructor yeah i'm actually do, putting in some of her movements and some of and i follow along with her class as well but uh, i'm putting her a lot of her teachings into my own program into my own uh daily yeah. workout it's wonderful we all learn from each other here and yeah. Um, yeah so you're very much a movement expert in my opinion <laughs> it's crazy wow and wh- what did you learn from competitive swimming oh well not only did i learn about just uh stroke mechanics learning <laughs> the strokes my two uh, individual events were the individual medley where you do all four major strokes and then also the individual butterfly, which is funny because I was a very small, weak person when I was growing up. I was not very strong when I was young, and somehow butterfly uh, connected with me, and it actually became my strongest stroke, believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, it taught me just 
not to rely on a team. So whereas when you have something like maybe American football or regular football or what we call soccer here or basketball where you have teammates that are, are uh, competing with you that you can use uh, to help. In swimming, it's just you. It's you versus all the other competitors. So everything is on you. If you win, you deserve all the credit. If you lose, you're the one to blame because there's nobody else that you can really blame unless you're doing a relay. That's that's the only exception. But for individual events, it did teach me uh, accountability for my own for my own performance and also just uh, getting into that competitive spirit. I mean, you can get that from all sorts of different sports or uh, or ways to move or to compete. But for me, swimming was my gateway to really uh, instill that kind of drive, that kind of motivation. Wonderful, yeah. Good. So, uh, how? So your ki your name, kittens kilos kung fu. Where does it come from? How did you co coin your name together? I want. It's actually, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, on YouTube, I have a channel called Pounds for Purrs, mm -hmm. and basically, just my silly way. That's kind of a little bit of my personality. Uh, coming out uh, in a couple different ways. I like alliterations where you have a few words with the same starting sound for each word and also I just figured I'd tie in uh, lifting, uh, weightlifting and my love for cats and just kind of put them together. Yeah. So it was just something idea I came up with just to be uh, just to be silly because I have a silly personality. I wanted that to come across uh, with the name and then when I joined Twitch I tried to go for the same name just to kind of have that um, brand recognize, uh, recognize, uh, what I think of, uh, just kind of brand recognition. There we go. So that is the same, but Twitch that eh, might be a little offensive. So they, uh, say they denied me. So I had to come up with something similar, but different. And so that's how kittens kilos Kung Fu come out. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, why cats? Why do you love cats? <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, interestingly enough, I grew up uh, with dogs. Yep. Uh, my old sister did have a cat eventually, but I grew up mainly with dogs. I'm a dog lover. If it, if when it came time for me to decide uh, to become a, a father, uh, I I wanted a dog just because I grew up with dogs, but. I didn't really think I could properly take care of a dog by myself. So I thought, okay, well, I don't mind cats. And at that point, it, it wasn't like a big love of cats. I mean, I certainly uh, admired cats, but I just hadn't, hadn't had all that much experience myself with them. And I started going to a local shelter, and uh, I, I just thought it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I love animals in general, but once I started going to a shelter and visiting and interacting with the different cats there, uh, I really thought it was going to be a good fit. So uh, to make a long story short, basically my daughter, Mia, uh, met me one day. I was I went through a whole interview process to make sure that I was a good candidate, that I would be able to take care of a cat. And she introduced herself uh, right after that interview. And that's how, how we connected. And then uh, she came home with me a week later, and it's been an absolute dream ever since. I mean, I couldn't have not, I could not have asked for a, a better cat in the world. I wouldn't trade her for any amount of money. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, that's very wonderful. So, next question coming up 
how did you become a personal trainer? So thi uh, think about like people wanting to go into like being a personal trainer maybe also. Oh, for sure. Uh, for me, it was a thought in the back of my mind for a long time. My boxing instructor actually was a personal trainer and he essentially trained me for free. Now, at the time, I didn't think that that would be a career that I would ever follow. Uh, I, I certainly respected what he did and really appreciated his willingness to train me, not only in boxing, but also in physical fitness. And I actually was on my way to become a stuntman for Hollywood. And I had worked on a few movies. I, I got into the Screen Actors Guild, the union, the acting union. Yeah. But when it came down to it at the very last minute, I just, when all my friends had moved out, some went to Los Angeles, some went to New York, some went to Atlanta, Georgia, here in the States, where filming is big in these cities. So those are usually the types of places that you would want to go to to find work and to get employed. And I got cold feet. I got nervous because it's not a very consistent, nor is it necessarily a steady occupation or yeah. job or follow so it's you just don't know when you're you're going to work you don't know what your schedule is going to be like there's a lot of hustle um a lot of just going places where people are filming and trying to introduce yourself and sell yourself and market yourself and things like that and i just figured you know what at the last minute i backed out and uh, i thought okay well if i don't do this then what else can i do well I'm, i've been active pretty much my whole life i love <laughs> fitness i teaching i had been teaching martial arts for a number of years at that point and so i thought okay well i'm not going to open a martial arts school but what if i become a personal trainer and so i decided to get my certification and have been doing it ever since wow that's that's a great story so yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, what is the difference uh, between internal and external martial arts? And maybe you can also explain a little bit like, okay, what is internal martial arts in the first place? Sure, definitely. This has been talked about for a long time. And still to this day, a lot of people are really confused as to, well, if it's just martial arts, then how can you have differences between the two? And a lot of times it comes down to body mechanics what parts of your body you're emphasizing. So for example, the internal martial arts are very big on stabilizing muscles, secondary muscles, uh, tendon strength, things like that. And then on top of that, you have all of the emphasis on the Dantian. And basically the Dantian, think about where your diaphragm is and that whole area. Now, nowadays uh, we call a lot of that, we refer to that as the core. So sometimes people hear the word core and they go, okay, I'm gonna do some core exercises or or core training and uh, I hope that people are getting better educated but used to be that people would think of just the abdomen uh, the uh, the abdominal muscles but actually it's it's actually a big circle going front back and sides basically think of like a ball put it in the center of your body and then expand it out so it includes things like your obliques things like your lower back and so for the internal martial arts we do a lot in that area especially in the waist so whereas I was taught to throw punches from my hips in boxing, and even from Shaolin, we did a lot of hip movement, a lot of hip 
uh, uh, rotation. With the internal arts, they put a big emphasis on your spinal column, your um, paraspinal muscles. So if you take your spinal column and you go just about an inch on each side and down, uh, there are some stabilizing muscles that we really emphasize there. And for external martial arts, there's a lot of training with phasic muscles or the primary muscle groups like your quadriceps, your hamstrings, your triceps, your shoulders, your deltoids, your chest, your lats, your back, things like that. But with the internal martial arts, they tend to, while they include that, those tend to take a back seat and they are secondary and then we bring up the stabilizers, things like your hip flexors, things like uh, attachments to muscles, things like that. Uh, and again, a lot of tendon strength, but also then you have the meditation and uh, the internal work, what we call nagong, uh, and that's basically just internal work or internal development, and that's a whole skill set in of itself, which I think makes it, uh, the internal martial arts special and unique. Good, yeah. Um, there, just right now, a thought pot pop, popped up. I like, I want to share it, and I want to hear your opinion about it. Um, Absolutely. So one of my, so I went to a like um, high intensity interval training one time, not, multiple times, but the teacher there taught me that um, in the end, we were lying down kind of in a circle. We were all lying down in a circle, like in Shavasana, you pr probably know Shavasana, just lying down on your back. And he told us that yeah, after this high intensity training, this is kind of like um, lying down on your back will serve as kind of like the strongest antidepressant there is on the market. Kind of like that's what he said. What do you think about that? Well, it's certainly a good idea because of a few things, especially after something that intense where you really work your body out, where you really work your lungs out and you're exhausted. Uh, it, you could do a whole bunch of things. A lot of people will do different cool downs. They'll do uh, uh, exercises and stretches afterwards. I think something like a Shavasana is very valuable because then you can really just kind of be aware of your body and if you're holding tightness or stiffness. Uh, you can sense it. If you have any kind of pain, you can sense it. And whereas sometimes people will exercise and then just go on with their day, which I totally understand. Um, if you do a workout and then you just go on with whatever you have to do next in your schedule, I understand. But if you do have the time, I think it's very important and very beneficial to lie down, let your breathing come down, let your heart rate come down to a, a more appropriate resting rate. Uh, but Shavasana especially, is great because you can really feel out your body. That's a time where if something is off or just noticing, just being aware, even if nothing's wrong, just kind of noticing and at the very least letting your body come down because what you don't want to do is keep an elevated heart rate when you're not exercising. So as soon as you're done, let yourself uh, come down, calm yourself down, let your blood pressure come down because that's very a very healthy thing to do, especially the more intense in exercises like for example with uh, heavy powerlifting if you're going upwards of let's say your 90% one rep max that takes a ton out of you it takes a lot out of you so in powerlifting you take long breaks and you'll very uh, commonly see somebody do let's say one repetition of a very heavy exercise and then you see them sit down 
and yeah. they'll just still. Uh, they should be doing the exact same thing, uh, keep, uh, letting themselves recover, letting themselves uh, be ready for the next exercise or the next set, uh, or even if they just finished, just letting their body just kind of come right back down to what we call baseline, and uh, that way it's a much it's a much healthier approach. So, in your example, that's that's a good practice. I wouldn't doubt that your instructor had other training and was implementing that with high intensity interval training because most of the time instructors won't do that they won't yeah. they might like cool down maybe at that but the fact that he or she had you laying down and telling you these things i think that's a really good thing great good um let's c now come to our main topic of this uh podcast today um so we want to talk a little bit more about martial arts and how does it affect your physical body so um all kind of martial arts and um in in kind of like what kind of positive way um does it affect your body can you tell us some some things about that absolutely Martial arts and even just movement in general is, is just good for the human body. It's good, uh, I'll, we'll get into, of course, the mental aspect of it, but even just on a level, just better blood circulation, just, uh, 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 just better uh, lean, uh, having a better lean body, uh, things like that, body composition. So with martial arts, it, you don't have to do anything specific, so it, it's not necessarily a very specific style you have to do in order to get benefits. Just as long as a martial art that involves movement, that involves uh, body mechanics, you'll be utilizing different muscles throughout your body, you'll be getting fitter, you'll be getting a little bit of cardiovascular benefits, some more than others. So if you do something like, let's say, like, like Tai Chi or something like that, uh, you might not necessarily get a cardiovascular workout out of it. But even if you were to do something like uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, or Shaolin, or karate, or Taekwondo, and things like that, you will. You'll definitely get a good cardiovascular on top of not only that, but also uh, getting some muscle activation. And so it's, when it comes to just your physical health and your physical condition, you find something you really enjoy doing, and that's usually a good first start. So if even if I were to tell you, oh, you should do Xing Yi Chuan, or you should do Shaolin. Well, if you don't enjoy it, you probably won't stick to it. And so it, the first thing is try out as many as you can. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is getting very popular these days. Find something you enjoy doing. That way you'll stick to it, you'll be consistent with it. And really there's no wrong answer, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm a big promoter of anybody who does a martial art, even if it's just for health, even if they have no interest in fighting or learning how to fight just as their way of getting in better health, better condition, uh, maybe lowering body fat, maybe just lowering their overall weight. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing. And it really doesn't matter which one you choose. Find one, find two maybe if you like, and just enjoy it. Train hard and you'll get the physical benefits. Awesome, that's wonderful advice. So next question coming up. Um... So maybe somebody's practic practicing martial arts right now and he's wondering, oh, is this martial arts enough for my physical body or should I do maybe more? What do you think about that question? 
honestly, I think that martial arts, while it is possible to have enough training just from your style, I, I would always advocate to learn looking at what might be missing. So if there is something missing, I would complement it with something else. Now, it doesn't have to be something related to martial arts. Mm -hmm. It could be something as simple as having a treadmill, having an exercise bicycle, uh, including something like maybe HIIT training, high-intensity interval training. So if you're doing something, let's say, like Tai Chi, sure, it, it, with a good eating lifestyle and a good just overall lifestyle, uh, not relying on things like uh, cars, automobiles, and... Uh, escalators and things like that if you walk a lot if you're just physically fit you eat well sure you could you could make an argument say that some doing something like tai chi could be enough and that is possible however in my opinion and this is my my professional opinion I think it would be a good idea to also do some other things that might give you benefits that tai chi doesn't offer so uh, so i mean i think that with everything so there's no such thing in my opinion as a perfect martial arts style that covers all your bases at the highest levels maybe they'll touch on them but just like anything else just like fitness just like exercise programs you can't do everything all the time uh, the body is not designed to be able to do that there are times when you can focus on certain things and then on other times of the year or just at other times during training maybe you bring up the others or you put them on different days so um, is martial arts enough to cover all your physical needs while there is a possibility of that, I personally wouldn't recommend that you only do a martial art and then do nothing else. I, I definitely think you should take a good, honest look at whatever it is you are practicing and how hard you're training and how often you're training, and then take a look at what might be missing and then add in anything else that you might need to do. And I think that's a much better approach. Yeah, that's, that's very wonderful advice again. Uh, I must say, I really like your responses to my questions a lot, and um, yeah. <laughs> now we're coming a little bit more from the physical body away to the mental health, and I wonder how does martial arts affect the mental health? Oh, a lot, and and from my personal experience, I can tell you that it really helps with just kind of your outlook on dealing with different situations and especially stressful situations. Uh, this is kind of like an old, uh, it's not a cliche, but it's just something that people notice a lot. When somebody is confident with, uh, with themselves and especially if they are martial artists and they train for something physical, that they tend to be the calmer ones in an altercation, in an argument, in a verbal fight, in a physical fight. They tend to be the ones that don't get excited and, and are quick to throw a punch. A lot of times they're the ones that'll just be very casual, just kind of just analyze everything and just kind of just study the other person and take a calmer approach. So people have told me this and this and that's more or less why I'm saying it's more just from my own experience, but uh, they'll see me and maybe somebody who's very upset for some reason approaches me or says something to me they always say that i just keep my calm i keep my cool i don't yell back i don't get upset i don't i don't get emotional um and i think a lot of that really comes down to martial arts i'm confident in my ability i don't like fighting i don't condone fighting um but I am prepared, so if uh, if something did happen, I don't have to get nervous or excited about it. 
I can just be there nice and calm and try to uh, try to resolve the conflict peacefully. So I'm always looking for the peaceful option, whatever that might be, whatever that route might be. And I'd rather do that than ever fight anybody. But because of the training, because of how hard I work at it, that if somebody does approach me, I'm not going to be very quick to throw a punch. Um, don't get me wrong, I'll defend myself. I, I certainly believe in self-defense. But uh, on a mental level, I'm, I just approach those things, even just regular stress. Even just uh, if I have like a lot going on or something tragic happens, I tend to keep my, my level head. And uh, that has really helped out a lot. So I don't do anything out of pure instinct. I won't do anything just out of a, like a quick judgment. I'll always analyze things, just kind of keep myself in a good space and uh, be able to address things like that. It has really helped out a lot. <laughs> that's so great. That's that's a lot what you're doing. I mean, it's hard to not judge people, right? From... <laughs> so, um... Now, as we already discussed, is, is like uh, the physical part uh, is martial arts enough for the physical health we'd like to know is martial arts enough for the mental health i think very similarly to physical health uh as as much as mental health could somebody get by and uh and just do martial arts for their mental health absolutely i would never say it's not possible however at the same time uh, i think you can always look for other ways to be even better so yeah a very common saying in martial arts is the the journey to self-improvement. We're constantly improving, we're constantly evolving, we're constantly trying to get better. There's not going to be a point in time where I say, okay, I've mastered this, I don't have to do it ever again. I, I, I definitely disagree with that because you will stop learning, you'll stop developing. The second you say, okay, I'm good, I don't have to do anything more with this, or I don't need any other way or any other perspective, I think you're just kind of being closed-minded, which used to be very common, especially in martial arts. They say, okay, well, I just need to learn this, and I don't need anything else in the world. Possibly, yes, but I also think that it's not necessarily a good outlook on life. So with the different people we connect with on Twitch, I and from different backgrounds and different disciplines, different skills, uh, you can only get better. And it yep. doesn't mean that you have to do everything. It just means that, hey, I've never heard of this before, or this person is doing something different for me. That doesn't make that wrong. It just makes it different. Or maybe they're getting something out of it that I'm not getting. And you can have a good discussion. You can connect with people. You can learn something new that you may not have ever learned otherwise. Because if you just thought, okay, I only need what I'm doing and nothing else. I don't need anybody's help. I got this. Well, you're. I think you're just hindering yourself. You're limiting yourself uh, as to where you can get potentially. And so for your mental health, I think it's the exact same as the physical health. Could you possibly get all you need from a martial art on the health, on the mental health side? It's possible. I will not say it's not possible, but I just think that it, it, you should look, be a little bit more open-minded, uh, expand your horizons, and uh, and I think you'll be a better person for it. And also you'll have the interaction with another human being, which I think is also very important. Yes, it is. Yes. 
Um, I agree. To what degree does a healthy your so you're you're already health, having a healthy physical body, right? You're you're kind okay. of like liking your body already how it is affect the mental health. If you are, if you are healthy, you'll feel better about yourself. You, uh, if if you're on, in good health and you are at a pretty good decent fitness level, uh, I think that's a, a good idea. It's. Um, I think it's uh, oh sorry, um, I think I think it'll help you because it'll make you move better so that you won't have things like achy joints or you won't have a lot of issues that a lot of people tend to just kind of accept as they go old, get older. So um, especially for me, as I got older, I would hear people say, "Oh, your lower back's hurting. Oh, you're just getting older. Your knees are hurting. You're just getting older." Um, oh, your shoulders hurting up. Oh, you're just getting. You're just getting up there. You're just getting up there in age. I don't agree with that. I think if you have a healthy body, you'll be preventing a lot of those things that people in general tend to accept. And so they say, oh yeah, she's getting older. Of course her knees are going, or her hips are going, or oh that man is getting older. Of course he's slouching. He's bent forward. I think a lot of this comes down to uh, maybe neglecting health, maybe neglecting exercise, maybe not uh, doing enough for yourself. So if you are healthy, given that you do have a healthy body, even even some strength, uh, it makes life easier. It makes it so that you can continue to almost be youthful so that I can, I can if I ever have children, like human children, uh, I can play with them and not say, oh no, I'm too old for this. I can't, I can't keep up with a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or, or what have you. I think if you do have a healthy body, it makes life enjoyable. It enhances your life, but it also makes it easier and prevents a lot of things. A lot of things, yeah. again, that people say, oh, they're older, so they're going to develop this. Well, I know plenty of people in those uh, golden years who don't have these issues. In fact, they're uh, very healthy and very happy and very able, and they can take care of themselves. They don't have to depend on gadgets and, and, and uh, things to do things for them. They can do it themselves if they need to pick something up and move it they could do it themselves uh instead of saying oh i can't lift that i need so i need to call somebody i need to get somebody to do this for me but they can do it themselves and uh a quick uh quick story is i had i've had plenty of these examples but i'll give you one um i had a woman in her 60s i think she was about mid 60s and she bought some personal training and she told me day one she said look my whole life I've only done cardiovascular workouts because when I was growing up, women were not encouraged to lift weights. They were not encouraged to build muscle. They were not encouraged to do what the men were doing. And I never had a chance to learn. So I want to learn how to power lift. And this is a woman in her mid 60s. And we're talking a very thin woman. And she really wanted to finally get into it. And so our sessions were just on developing that strength and that power. And by the time she moved, because otherwise she would have kept training with me, she moved away and she said she never felt stronger. She could do everything by herself. She could squat without pain. She could pick things up properly and not bend over at the back. Uh, it helped her, just her lifestyle, the way she moves around. And, uh, and I think that really makes a big difference. So she doesn't have to deal with hip pain. She doesn't have to deal with uh, things that people usually do as they get older. She, she, she's preventing all that coming towards the body mind connection so um 
Could you explain a little bit in your words what that is and maybe give a little example also? Oh, abs absolutely. Mind-body connection, you'll hear a lot of times, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, sometimes the person has a good idea, a good grasp of what that means, and sometimes maybe not as much. But basically with the mind-body connection, you could look at it in different layers and different ways. But for me, in my, in my opinion as an instructor, whether through martial arts or through physical fitness, I think it's just being able to focus and hone in on what you're doing. So just the, the ability to concentrate, not just to go through emotion just because you see somebody doing, let's say, a bicep curl. And so they pick up a weight and they just curl it up. They're not really thinking about what they're doing. They're not really connecting with the muscles. They're just literally just doing the same aesthetic, the same looking exercise as you are, but they're not putting a lot of the mental aspect of it. So when you think about mind-body connection, it's like, okay, I understand when I flex my elbow that that's elbow flexion and that the bicep is being worked. So when you start to do the exercise, instead of just going through the motion and just kind of getting things done in a routine type of, of mentality, that you really think about, okay, when I lift a weight, um, I'll take this just for an example. So when I lift a weight, how does this move? How is this being moved? And how am I causing that movement? So when I do this with flexion, it's not me just doing this, because I could do this, and I'm not really getting a whole lot out of it. But if I put my... Uh, concentration and my focus the mental aspect right into that bicep so I can squeeze the bicep and now that moved because my bicep flexed and it contracted so for fitness especially I just tell people very simply uh, concentrate focus build that connection so that if I were to tell you squeeze your lats you know what that means if I tell you to retract your scapula you know what that means and that way you get just better in touch with your body. Yoga is a great practice that can help facilitate that. Uh, Pilates, big shout out to Pilates Mama SD, T uh, top tier Pilates level coach. They'll, they'll say the same thing. Being aware of your body and what it means to move each part or engage uh, each part is very important. For, for me, a lot of times it's how you move your body and your body mechanics muscle activation things like that because you'll see people doing exercises and you could once you're educated you can kind of tell or even just trained you can kind of tell if they're just doing the movement just for the sake of doing the movement and they're not really had that mind body connection where they understand if i need to do uh shoulder flexion i know how to facilitate facilitate it from the shoulders and not just pushing with the hands or the wrists but actually how does this activate in order to do that Things like that. So mind-body connection, and on a simple, very simple, basic level, is that ideal focus, and that way you can go into whatever body part you need to, and use it. Wonderful. Thank you for your explanation. That means a lot to me. So, yeah, um, people in the chat have been asking some questions, and. Oh, sure. uh, Everybody in here in the chat right now, if you like to also ask a question, please feel free to uh, ask the questions right now. We are kind of like coming to the last part of our uh, podcast today. And we have a question from Grace Yoga and she asks, okay. how does martial arts train a person to respond rather, respond rather than react to a situation? How does it help people to be more calm? Exactly. 
Great question, Grace. Great question. And basically when it comes down to that idea of uh, not having like a knee-jerk reaction or a snap reaction, that constant work on uh, being relaxed, being calm with your practice, and really putting your effort into your mind. So if I'm doing, let's say, a Qigong exercise or even just like a meditation posture, like let's say embracing the tree, the more you do it, the more you're inclined to use that state of mind, that uh, that kind of mentality, uh, when you are faced with something that challenges it. So, for example, if you get somebody who just starts uh, maybe meditation, let's just take that for a good example, um, it, it'll be it'll be challenging for them because if they're used to somebody maybe uh, arguing with them and then they immediately fire back and argue back, uh, it'll take time. It's, it's just a skill, just like anything else. It will take time, but the better you get at meditation, you'll notice that you won't be as quick to uh, to judge or to respond. And the more you, uh, you do meditation, the more you might start to see that you just look at things differently. Or if you're just faced with a stressful situation, maybe you're overworked, maybe you're underslept, maybe there are a number of things, things are just going wrong that uh that the more you implement things like qigong meditation or and that comes with a, a lot of different practices but uh for our purposes today with those avenues that you'll just notice hey i didn't yell back at this person or hey i didn't blow up or hey i didn't um explode or or, or things like that that uh maybe you de-stressed a different way maybe you just said okay i am getting stressed okay i'm just gonna take a few seconds maybe even a few minutes just calm down and then wait so, so you can analyze it with a more clear head. Uh, but especially with confrontation with other people, uh, it does take time. Because if you are used to just kind of just firing right back at somebody, uh, it will take time. But give it some practice. You might notice uh, small changes here and there, and then it basically increases from there. Great question. Awesome. So, um... I forgot the question that I wanted to ask you in the beginning. That was a really easy one. Um, sure. So as we kind of like uh, organized the call, uh, organized this podcast, we came upon like uh, you were explaining to me that it's either Qigong or Qigong. Um, I don't know if I pro pronounced it right. So maybe you could explain uh, where does this come from? These two words and where are the similarities? Where are some differences? Yeah. Okay, uh, Qigong, uh, you can see the spelling in different ways, so uh, most likely you'll come across the Q-I-G-O-N-G, and then if you look at um, the old Wade Giles system, uh, you'll, it'll be C-H-I-K-U-N-G, wow. same exact pronunciation, same exact words, but you'll see two different spells for a lot of things. It depends on which which uh, which spelling you're looking at. So it, it, people look at that and they go, wait, are, are they two different things? Because they're spelled differently. Actually, they're the exact same thing. They're just, uh, it's two different methods of spelling. Um, but as you can see, you have the Hanya Pinion, and then you have the Wade Giles. And so you'll look at something like, like Chi, and uh, you'll see Q-I, and then you'll see C-H-I, and they're both pronounced Chi. But one looks like Qi because it's a Q, but yet actually it's pronounced Qi just like C-H-I. But anyways, um, Qigong comes from a very long practice, long like a couple thousand years of practice. And basically there are a lot of stories of how it originated, but uh, the, mo the most common one I'd probably say was 
uh, like one comes more Shaolin and then another one comes more Daoist. So you'll have two different perspectives. But basically, you can think of it as a long time ago, they uh, they started practicing just in a seated posture. It's nothing special. They would do a lying posture, very much like Shavasana, mm-hmm. and they would put attention to their breaths. So anytime they developed a skill set, they wanted to really train it and work it as much as they could. So with breathing, they just wanted to get better health from breathing. They looked at that as an avenue for uh, keeping healthy, preventing sicknesses, things like that. Uh, nobody, I don't know if anybody really knows the true original story, but you'll see a number of them, and a lot of them really go to the same idea that uh, a group of people would notice that they would uh, th- they would just come up with the idea that what if I breathe a different way? What if I breathe uh, and and put a lot of attention to it and sectioned it off in a day and did ten minutes of this kind of breathing and then try to make that a daily habit. Um, but you'll see, you'll hear all sorts of stories. But it all really goes to the same to the same destination, which is just better better health. Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Um, like. Um, Qigong had like breathing practices like really integrated like really focused down on breathing patterns maybe could you maybe just yeah. explain one pattern so that you oh, maybe yeah. like the most or yeah. sure there there's a lot of Qigong <laughs> exercises you'll see you'll see all different arm movements hand movements you'll see people raising up their arms this way turning up this way lifting this way coming down this way all sorts of different ways and as long as you're doing proper breathing with movement, it's Qigong. You can literally say it's Qigong. You can even make something up. And as long as you're breathing correctly, uh, you're actually doing Qigong. So you can buy a book that has a thousand different exercises. I don't think you need all of those thousands. Now, if you want to switch things up and get different benefits, maybe one that involves lowering your body uh, to get some lower body benefits, sure. But when it comes down to it, if you're just looking for proper breathing, any movement, works now a very simple one that i like to practice virtually every day is uh just bring the hands up the center of the body palms facing up with my inhale and then coming down with my exhale and almost loading the hands down and the reason why i like that is because you're getting uh breath in and thinking about expansion in the lower abdomen or what we call the dantian so you can really feel the body not only your lungs but your entire midsection being inflated like a balloon with air and then when you come down this the hands can serve as like a guidance so as i'm breathing out and i'm bringing and i'm lowering my hands back down i can think of giving the abdomen a little bit of squeeze just to make sure i get all of the air out it's just a, a just a, a, a guidance principle you can literally do all sorts of things and as long as you're doing proper breathing it can be considered qigong but yeah. i there are a number that i like personally as well <laughs> yeah for different reasons yeah. of course awesome so um movement is always connected to breathing in qigong so there's no like really um sitting around and just breathing or is there you can um generally qigong is associated with the movement when you're doing just kind of breathing um, just kind of still like this it also does depend on what you're trying to accomplish so for example um, 
I'm sure you probably can't see my hands, but basically I'm in a seated position with my hands just right over my knees. Now I'm not going to move on this one, but as I breathe in, I'm going to do what we call whole body breathing or bone breathing. So from this one, I'm basically trying to uh, pull oxygen through my fingertips, going up through my hands, up through my arms. I could do the same thing through my feet. It's a different uh, practice, but it's still technically Qigong just because it's involving proper breathing, but with a very specialized directive, with a very yeah. uh, specific goal that you're trying to achieve. But in general, if you just say Qigong, it, there's usually some sort of some sort of movement in some shape, way, or form. But there are versions where you're not moving uh, or movement is very small. Like, for example, I have this one where I'll breathe in. And now with my exhale, just a very little bit of range of motion, very little movement. Uh, but that would also be considered Qigong, even though it's very, very small. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for all these... Uh answers um i think i give you one last uh, question then we're kind of finishing it off and yeah so if a total beginner join joins your personal training maybe kind of what is the first thing he or she learns uh, from you um uh, something about me or something about the, the training process maybe about the training process how you're doing the training process or so oh great question basically if a client comes to me oh let's use you as an example if you came to me and said hey I, I want to have some sessions with you uh, basically I would uh, give you a little bit of my background and then I would get an assessment from you so I would have some questions for you about uh, your background, uh, what you've done before, what your experiences with anything physically fitness oriented would be, uh, if you have any injuries, if you have anything you're dealing with, what your eating lifestyle is like, uh, what your just your daily routine is like, what your schedule is like, and then from there we would go to an assessment. So I can assess you. I can now uh, give you get a get a sense of where your weight is, where your body fat is and ask you about your goals, what you're trying to get out of it, what you're looking to do, and anything you might be interested in. So sometimes people say, hey, I wanna learn how to do boxing, or hey, I wanna learn how to do kickboxing. And so I do have clients who are very um, focused on that, and they'll say, okay, I'd like to learn about that. And so I assess you, kind of get a sense of where you are, uh, and then from there, just basically start to see what you can do, if you have any limitations, so we do some basic things right off the bat, for example, like a bodyweight squat, see what your form is like, your technique is like, and then uh, pretty much just going from there. Mm -hmm. Good. So, thank you. But we have one more question from the chat right now. Let me ask you that oh. question and then we slowly finishing it up. So um, Pumpkin Panda asks, um, you have like this, um, I don't know how to call it. You have this hitting hitting stick, right? That you just shown before uh, on the stream. Um, does it hurt? Says Pumpkin Panda or asks Pumpkin, Pumpkin Panda. And also if you kind of enjoy this feeling of like whatever kind of feeling it is. To answer your question, Pumpkin Panda. No, it does not hurt. 
uh, this is very intimidating. This is made of metal. It's made of steel. But please never believe that I'm hurting myself or that it's masochistic. Like, uh, I enjoy pain. This is anything but painful. This is the opposite of pain. It actually feels very nice. It feels like I just gotten a full body massage when I use it. And a lot of that comes down to the design so that you see all these very, very thin little rods and they're very light they're very skinny and it's just a lot of them put together now i did not start with this one so this is a this is the one that i will use for the rest of my life i'm i don't i won't need anything heavier than this for all the benefits that i get from it so you're seeing me pretty much with my peak training with this you would start with something much smaller much lighter so if anyone was interested in that sort of training don't be intimidated don't be afraid it will not be painful at all it'll actually feel great when you do it again it almost has like a rejuvenating um, uh, detoxifying very cleansing very energizing feel to it uh, now of course you you're gonna swing it around so your wrist might get a little tired but other otherwise no when I hit that might sound very scary to you because if you've never seen anything like that it might be like oh my goodness he's hitting himself Ooh, that's gotta hurt right couldn't be any more the opposite and just like anything else you start gradually you start with something very small and easy and light build it up and you literally when i say taps people probably laugh because my idea of a tap to most people is probably like going full out and hitting hard uh that came with time that came with uh progression that came with development so if somebody if pumpkin panda if you wanted to do that training i would have you start with something much smaller much lighter and again it would be literally taps yep it uh, so it's not painful. It feels wonderful. Uh, I enjoy a lot of the benefits from this type of training. But uh, don't don't get don't get the wrong idea that this hurts at all. It it does. again it feels great. Awesome. Can you can you tell us how is that uh, called or what's the name of this um, instrument? Oh sure. Oh sure. The uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, this goes by a few names. Sometimes people call it a health brush some people call i know isn't that funny like how is this a health brush? <laughs> uh, but uh, they'll call it a health brush they'll call it a steel rod they'll call it a, uh, a steel whisk an iron whisk i've heard um oh there's another one that i've heard before a, a broom i've heard steel broom before yeah this is a, a wonderful tool it's great for health great for a lot of things but uh but don't be intimidated by it it's it's actually it's a lot easier training than it looks so if you see me doing it you are seeing somebody at a bit of a higher level so i've been doing this for a while uh yeah. so i can do it with a certain amount of vigor but for anyone who wanted to learn they would start off much easier very much like if you've seen me do my hand training you would not just do what i do you would certainly start the way i started very gradually very slowly so pumpkin panda if you're still around um something like this or even grace yoga something like this you wouldn't even start with. You would start with something much smaller, easier, lighter, build up, and you would start very gradually. Again, it should never be painful. If it is ever painful, then you know you're probably going a little too hard too soon. Awesome. So good. Um, me and Keith will hang out quickly uh, in the Discord chat. And everybody that likes to uh, have a little chat with us, please come in, chat with us. I, I'm sure this will be a lot of fun. And I already told people like how they can find you, Keith. Uh, are there some oh, other ways to find you other than Twitch and YouTube? 
Uh, those are the main ways. Uh, I also do have my Discord, and uh, if you if you would like to email me, you can email me at poundsforpurs at gmail.com. So poundsforpurs all in one as one word at gmail.com. That can work as well. Uh, but if you're here on Twitch, if you're here on uh, uh, Discord, feel free, message me, drop me a line anytime you like. Uh, I'm always uh, willing to talk. Awesome. So people can actually reach out to you and have uh, like online personal training experience with you. Is that correct? Absolutely. Good. Thank you for that. And uh, that's about it. Keith, thank you so much for joining in uh, today. And next week, join in next week together with Alan Rafferty and his dear friend Jacob. I don't know his uh, full name, unfortunately. They are storytellers. They have such a wonderful stories to tell. And we will dive deeper into the mental health there. And I hope... I, I really hope you guys from the yoga community, from the fitness community will join in and maybe listen a little bit there. And this was Health Skill Podcast. You can find us at www.moment.yoga slash twitch. We are leveling up your health skill. <laughs>